Welcome to Safety Bites, a weekly podcast on all things related to workplace safety, hosted by me, Jason Schaffenbuhl. The thoughts expressed in this podcast are based upon my opinion and general best practices, which may not apply to all listeners. Always consult with a qualified professional before making any changes in your organization. While your business takes steps to prevent workplace injury, sometimes injuries occur in which the treating physician provides restrictions for the employee while they recover. Some employers put a lot of effort into accommodating the employee's restrictions and bringing the employee back to work on light duty, while others do not. Those who do realize several benefits. Let's talk about some of these benefits. First, there are the intangible benefits to the employee and employer. Employees whose restrictions are accommodated report greater well-being because their employees are showing concern for them and taking steps to bring them back to work. It also causes less disruption in the employee's life if you can keep the employee in the same routine that existed before the injury. Employers benefit because of the goodwill from the injured employee and the impact that goodwill has on the recovery process. There are significant tangible benefits as well. For employers, being able to accommodate an injured worker's restrictions on light duty keeps a valuable employee in the workplace performing some needed activity for the employer. Employees recover quicker. While it's impossible to give an exact value as to how much more quickly employees recover, by keeping employees engaged in the workplace and keeping the employees' morale up, Employees tend to focus less on their injuries and more on what they can do. Another significant tangible benefit for you, the employer, is lower workers' compensation premium. If an employee injury can be kept to medical benefits only, compared to when an employee receives indemnity benefits, which includes lost wage benefits, there is about a 200% difference in the impact on the employer's future workers' compensation premium. In addition, in most states, if an employee refuses reasonable light-duty offers, then lost wage benefits can be stopped. I'll give an example that is true for any employer that has an experienced modification. Consider an employee that has a back injury. The employee goes to the doctor, and the doctor gives the employee a lifting restriction of 20 pounds. In other words, the employee can go back to work and do his regular job as long as he doesn't lift more than 20 pounds. Assume the employer brings the employee back to work, accommodating the restriction, and the employee has no lost time beyond the waiting period in the state, and the medical bills paid by your workers' compensation carrier are $1,000. The impact on your workers' compensation premium over the three years the claim is in the experience mod calculation is an increased total premium of about $950. Yes, that's right. For medical-only claims, less than $17,500 in most states, the cost of the claim to your workers' compensation carrier is greater than what the carrier will get in increased premium. This $17,500 threshold is subject to adjustment and is called the split point. More on that later. Now assume the same injury, but lower medical costs of $750, and the employer does not accommodate the 20-pound lifting restriction with light duty. Because the employee is not working, he is paid $250 in lost wage benefits for being off work, more than the state's lost wage waiting period. So, a total cost again of $1,000. But because this is an indemnity claim, because the employee was due lost wage benefits, instead of medical only, the impact of this claim on the employer's future workers' compensation premium is about $1,900. Again, for indemnity claims under $17,500 or the split point in your state, the future impact of the injury on your workers' compensation premium is about double the cost of the claim. The exact premium impact in either situation depends on multiple factors, but every employer's ratio is very close to the example provided. Each state has its own waiting period. In some states, it's three days, while in other states, it can be up to seven days. Once an employee is off work due to a work-related injury for more than the waiting period, the employee will be eligible for lost wage benefits per the state's workers' compensation law. So it is important to understand what the waiting period is in your state. That way, you can design a light-duty program to ensure you don't have employees off work longer than the waiting period. If an employee is off work, even one day more than the waiting period, 
the claim becomes an indemnity claim and the savings from providing light duty is significantly less. Why is there a savings on medical-only claims? It is because almost every, if not all states, have what is called an experience rating adjustment. Medical-only claims impact the experience mod at only 30% of the claim's value, while indemnity claims go in at 100%. Now, I'll admit there's more to it than this, but for claims under the split point threshold, which you'll remember is currently $17,500 for most states, this holds. For claims in excess of the split point, the amount of the claim that goes into your experience mod calculation is weighted upon your organization's size and is capped at a maximum amount, which varies state to state. The reason for this cap is to not adversely impact an organization's experience modification rate excessively due to a significant claim. Your workers' compensation loss control professional can help you establish a light-duty program for your organization. I also suggest you talk to a workers' compensation or labor attorney in your state to review your state's laws. The key to a light-duty program is to consistently accommodate employees by offering them meaningful light-duty that is within their restrictions. Often, organizations have lists of tasks they need to have completed, but simply do not have the resources to get them all done. For example, I once worked in a facility where the walls constantly needed to be painted due to the work being performed. If I had an employee with one-handed, seated-only restrictions, I'd have him sit in a chair and paint the wall from the shoulder down. If an employee could stand but had a one-handed restriction, he could paint the upper part of the wall. At a convenience store one time, I saw an employee with an arm in a sling painting curb stops. Yep, you guessed it, a light-duty task. You can be creative, but do not be punitive in your light-duty tasks. Be aware that many states require that the light-duty be meaningful, so do not have employees count paper clips, unless you're in the business of selling paper clips in a given quantity. The duty program does take work and some amount of time. Successful light duty takes planning. You must identify tasks employees can perform and manage the individual like any other employee. Some restrictions can be very challenging to accommodate, so work with your workers' compensation claims or loss control representative for assistance. The time is now. It will be hard to put together a light duty program on the day before the waiting period expires in your state so you can rush your employee back to work. Remember, what you do for safety today may reduce your workers' compensation premiums tomorrow. I hope you enjoyed this podcast and will join me next week. Until then, please make time each day to create a safer workplace.